Welcome to the Fishbowl, the podcast where I record conversations about business, entrepreneurship, and other valuable topics. The Fishbowl, episode 11. This time, Jeremy Dennison of Bellevue, Pennsylvania. He is the founder and uh, I guess you could say CEO of the Cyclops Cafe here in Bellevue, the hippest, most eccentric shop on the street. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. Really excited to go through this podcast with you. We had just been talking for the past 30-ish minutes about what we're going to talk about during this podcast, and boy, is it a treat. So definitely, uh, you know, if you're commuting, have your listening ears on, this is going to be a really great story uh, from Jeremy. So Jeremy, go ahead and start at the beginning about being born and raised here in Pittsburgh, the Bellevue area. Yeah, I was born uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oddly enough, if you go out the door of the shop that we're in right now and you make a right and you just go straight for a while, you'll run right into the hospital I was born in. Also, if you just walk straight out the door and uh, climb over all the buildings and just keep going straight a block over, you'll be at the house that I grew up in as well. You know, I started in Bellevue and I'm back here again. So, It's incredible when things uh, come around uh, the oh, full, full circle. circle. Jinx, yummy a soda. Or a coffee. Let's just do that. <laughs> But um, nonetheless, uh, although he's had a very special, interesting life, he was also born uh, with some special and interesting uh, attributes, so to speak. Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, I, when I was born, I couldn't see anything. I was born completely blind in my eyes, both of them. That's kind of an interesting way to be born. you know. Obviously, I don't remember it because I was a baby, but when I was about six weeks old, I had the surgery, a uh, transplant of my cornea that uh, actually gave me sight back. Um, and that's actually where the name Cyclops comes from. Is because my eye looks a little bit goofy. Obviously, you guys are listening, so you can't see me, but my right eye looks a little bit funky. Um, and that's from the transplant and the various other surgeries I had. So people always call me Cyclops, and that's why I started doing this. It's incredible how you can turn something that people were once uh, making fun of you uh, for into actually an asset uh, with a very characteristic and dope name, I think, like Cyclops. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, It's a big talking point. You know, people always ask, why is this place called Cyclops? Or what's with the eyeball logo? And I just point to my eye and they're like, oh, that makes sense now. Sometimes I'll go more in depth or show them the sign that's in the shop here. Or It's a know. really cool sign. It's for the uh, Medical Eye Bank of Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh or maybe the world. I don't know. But it's a sign that's uh, pushing people to become organ donors. And it says, Jeremy can see today. And it has a picture of me as like a six-year-old or seven-year-old sitting on some dude's lap reading a book. And then it says, because he received a corneal transplant. And uh, that sign was actually on the back of a uh, PAT bus, which is Pittsburgh's Port Authority, uh, like public, trans tr uh, public transit. So, yeah, I was like kind of famous for being blind at like age six. I think that's fascinating. Uh, it looks like you're still wearing the same glasses. Yeah, I haven't changed them since. <laughs> Really? Those no. are literally the same ones? No. No, okay. Completely different. I see. Probably no 18 worries. or 20 pairs ago. So you've had a corneal transplants, but along with that, you've uh, gone 28 surgeries. How have those been? They've been cool, I guess. I mean, whenever you're that young and you're just kind of, you're in a, you're in and out of the hospital having surgery after surgery after surgery. Um, the most were when I was zero to three. I think I had 18 of them in that three-year time. 
Um, but the last one I actually had was in 20... 2008. I think I was 16. So 2008, I was my last surgery I had. Um, but, you know, you kind of get used to it after a while. You kind of look forward to it because everyone buys you presents. So, <laughs> yeah, I remember one time I got a, a copy of The Hulk, which was a terrible movie on DVD. And luckily I couldn't see well enough to watch it. And I didn't miss much. So... <laughs> Well, I'm a big Marvel fan, so this was like the early, like the one with Edward Norton that was terrible. If you I remember see. that one, yes, I yeah. do remember. It was that one. really bad. No, that was a bad one. Yeah, yeah. No Mark Ruffalo, but you know, <laughs> yeah, the Hulk's uh, kind of a badass now. But back in the day, um, you know, Marvel kind of dropped the ball with them. But no worries, no worries. Now you were born very close, and you really have a lot of experience in these areas. One of your favorite coffee shops was called Afogato. Yeah. Tell me about how that one really shaped what Cyclops Cafe is now. Yeah, so like the whole being hard of seeing thing, um, my mom decided to homeschool me from first grade to eighth grade. So that made me kind of an awkward, weird kid. And um, probably makes sense why I'm an awkward, weird dude now. But anyway, Afogato was this shop like on the same street that we're on right now. So right down the road, it was on the left side. It was just like one of the coolest places I was ever in at that age. I think I was nine or ten First time I ever went in there. Just some of the coolest people that still come into this shop to this day were in there. And they just welcomed me and I was cool, to them at least. And uh, that's kind of what got me into the whole, not even coffee game, but like community and how important that is to everyone around it, right? So like having a place to go and hang out as a nine-year-old nerdy kid and throw Beatles trivia back and forth with some old dude with a ponytail. Like <laughs> those are some of my fondest memories of Bellevue, man, or like just sitting and drinking coffee or I actually didn't like coffee at that point. I was drinking either Coke or uh, like the bubbly San Pellegrino lemonades, right? I see. Which I, I don't even sell those. I should, but whatever. <laughs> um, I do sell Teamo tea. Um, Everyone loves that. That listens to the podcast, eh? It's incredible. Anyway, um, I would drink those things and just play board games and just I would hang out there for hours and hours and hours. And it was like one of the first places I felt welcomed and I could really hang out and just, you know, listen to good music. And I could I could say like damn and shit and ass and not get in trouble because I'm around all these people. And I was like, that's cool, which, you know, as a nine, ten year old, that's what you want to do is just be accepted by all these people around you and do whatever you want to do. So. So you really found a valuable environment that um, as you were growing up, you've always been uh, looking to be in this sort of environment. Yeah. And I see that that's really what you have been able to develop and are currently developing in your uh, fine establishment here in Bellevue. So I commend you on that. Now, the coffee shop actually died after a while uh, where you, you know, grew up in, so to speak. Yeah. Afogato, uh, it completely shut down. Um 2011, I want to say they closed their doors because they sold it and then it was sold again. And uh, the last person to purchase it kind of just didn't really care about the business as much as they should have. And uh, things weren't taken care of properly. They were serving Folgers coffee as opposed to real coffee. And it's just kind of. Which is a sin. Yeah, that's, you know, that's terrible. They, uh, you know, just really took something that was awesome and made it something that wasn't really a value to the community anymore. And they shut down. And that's kind of where my first, like, maybe I want to open a coffee shop one day when I'm, you know, 19 years old, living back in Bellevue after, you know, the whole Texas scenario that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Jeremy is someone who has lived in a lot of different places, had a lot of different experiences. 
He's kind of a shoot first, ask questions later type of guy uh, when it comes to careers and such, which is why he's had so many jobs. Now, those jobs have really shaped you as a 26-year-old now over the past eight years that you've been doing all these odd jobs. So what was your very first job, though? My very first job? Like, even... God. Oh, I worked at Chick-fil-A for, like, 10 years. Really? Years. Yeah. I worked. At, I started working at Chick-fil-A when I was, like, 14. And uh, I worked there until I was 20. So six years. That's a good place to work. But on and off, like, between living in Texas and coming back, I worked at... I forgot about that, actually, earlier. Thank you. Uh, well, not not thank you. That was a terrible time in my life. But <laughs> Chick-fil-A was cool. Free chicken. Um, yeah, I worked there. That was my first job. Fascinating. Now, did you hear recently they're going to be raising their minimum wage? Yeah. Which pretty is pretty badass. rad. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about them. And, you know, be it as it may, they're a great company to work for. And they take care of their employees. And, you know, if they're going to, you know, step their game up and pay their employees more, that's great. I'd agree. Um, that's interesting that people have a lot of bad things to say. I guess I've never heard any. I only heard hear good things since I go to Grove City College. Everyone really worships Chick-fil-A for their business model. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that was my first job. I was a cashier and the cow at Chick-fil-A. They dressed me up as the cow, which was weird because all you do is make kids cry all day. Fascinating. Yeah. Eat more chicken, eh? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So... You've worked there for quite a while. I actually didn't even know that. Yeah, I forgot in our pre-interview about that, like, completely. That's I, like, completely okay. just shut it out of my brain for some reason. It's all right. I worked at Pizza Hut when I was 16. It was surprisingly satisfying. There's something inherently satisfying about feeding people, yeah. I believe. Although the food service is some of the toughest work. I think it really prepares you for what work actually is. Mm -hmm. uh, all the odd jobs, all the background things that you don't see, right? Yeah. So you think you're just making the food and that's it. But little do they know about the cleaning, the preparation for the next day. There's so much stuff that goes into it. Absolutely. I think that's something for every business owner to really experience from a very young full, age. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very formative, you know. I learned a lot of really good business practices there, like how to keep things clean, how to make people feel welcomed, how to take care of people, how to converse with people. Because um, that was really my only social interaction outside of Afogado or uh, church, really. It was just like hanging out at Chick-fil-A, which was arguably the weirdest job I've ever had because I did so many different things. Well, no, well, you'll hear more about some other weird jobs. but Yeah, but up until that point, you had actually been going to school online. Is that correct? Yeah, it was cyber school. Yeah. How was that experience like for you? Oh, it was so isolating, but like super cool because, you know, I'd wake up at nine and I'd work and do school for an hour and just like bullshit my way through a test. And mm. uh, then I'd eat like a dozen or two dozen pizza rolls. And then after that, I would uh, get back to work and then play video games for a while and just get back to doing my thing. So what was your favorite video game? Probably Grand Theft Auto, but oh. it's funny. My mom didn't know I had it, so like I had Same to hide here. it. Yeah, so like if she knew, she would have killed me. But uh, <laughs> my friend Mark, who actually is my employee here um, now, which is funny, he um, <clears throat> he gave me GTA Three and Vice City, and I beat both of them like in a week. And I just played those games by myself. Incredible games, so much fun. Like probably the most fun video games I've ever played in my entire life. I'd agree with that. Minecraft is a second close. Oh, Minecraft is super fun. Um, I actually didn't get into playing it until like 
probably a year ago or two years ago, maybe when my uh, <laughs> then roommate, now employee, Mark, um, showed me he had like this Minecraft server that he's just been working on forever and ever and ever. And One of has, those. Yeah. Like he has this crazy world that he's created and like. There was one of like a, a giant Santa Claus made out of blocks that was just like taking a selfie and it was weird, dude. Like you can do so much stuff in that game. True. Um, and I love that you can just hunt random animals and then the bones and then you find all the lava and the gold. I think I'm going to do that tonight and just play some Minecraft. That sounds fun. No, I feel maybe you. If I get some time, maybe tonight, I don't know. It's a fun game, but it's so time consuming for me because I get hooked. Um but nonetheless, very good game. I remember back to Grand Theft Auto, whenever I had it, uh, I bought it with my mom, but she didn't know what it was. I'm like, yeah, it's just a racing game. So I remember I was young, I think probably 13, 14, when I was playing it on my PSP, PlayStation Portable. And I remember asking my dad, Dad, what's an escort? Because I had a like really nice escort you know, business go. And he's like, oh, it's someone that just goes with you, just things. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense. So, uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, funny. You know, you're running like a, a pimp empire at 13. Yes, in excellent. The palm of your hands. That's hilarious. <laughs> Such a fun game. Such a fun game. It's, all, it's every, every young boy's dream, I guess. That's but. the truth. <laughs> you know, people say video games not good for you, but I say I think they're a step up to TV. I think yeah. they're more interactive, more engaging. Yeah, because you have to think about what you're going to do. You know, it's good for business practice for sure. <laughs> you know, I'd say so. So after this experience of uh, being homeschooled, you know, being chilled out, you know, at an early age, that was, you know, my whole growing up. I wasn't really ambitious until pretty much my senior year of high school going into college. Up until that point, I was like pretty much like a loser uh, i still am a loser but not really quite to the point but you make a damn good tea so like it doesn't Thanks. matter <laughs> but nonetheless what did you do after that after that i went to a college in beaver falls pennsylvania called geneva college and it was a uh an interesting experience to say the least it was uh i'm not very i'm not the academic type at all so neither like, am i yeah you went to Grove City, though, so like we can't even really be friends. That's true. We're rivals, in essence. I don't even know why we're rivals. I didn't even know Geneva had sports teams until after I left. They're not very good. No, and they're called the Golden Tornadoes. So, Really? I think so. Is that still their mascot? Fascinating. One of my one of my patrons here, and my good friend Aaron, actually, who's hanging out in the shop, went to Geneva as well. So. Oh, gee. How about that? There's a lot of bad blood between Geneva and Grove City, and I That's couldn't even tell you why. But anyway, so I went to Geneva, and it just... Putzed my way around there with my 0.9 GPA. Really? 0.90 GPA. Dude, that bad? It was very bad. I didn't go to class. I just like... Why? Because I didn't care. I went to college solely because I felt like I was being forced to by my mom or like people at church or like my friends were like, you need to go to school so you can get a good job. And uh, I mean, that's how I feel too, but like 0.9? Oh, I just didn't care, man. <laughs> I hung out in the smoker's gazebo all day every day until they pushed it off the cliff and then... yeah. So, um, so you were a ganja fiend back in the day. Cigarettes. Oh. It's not, no, no, no. My bad, my none bad. Of none of the illegal stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> where I'm at Geneva and things are going great. I'm dating this girl back home. And uh, that was cool. You know, that's a terrible idea, by the way, everyone. If you go to college, don't date anyone that lives, uh, that you went to high school with. Break up. Just, yeah. You'll break up for sure. And, uh, and you'll hate everything about it. 
but that actually ended up being one of the best things that happened to me because the only reason I was staying at Geneva is because I felt pressured by the relationship and the people I was around to stay there. Um, and once that relationship ended, I kind of just texted my friend Mark, who I've mentioned a few times, who was living in Texas at that time. And I was like, hey, dude, I'm going to come sleep on your couch if that's okay. And it was a total joke. Like, I didn't really mean it. I was, you know, I had no guts back then. I wouldn't have done anything crazy like this, but it turns out I did. He called me a couple hours later and said, yeah, I want you to come live down here. We have an internship opportunity available. We'll give you a place to stay, a place to live. And, you know, you'll just live in Waco, Texas, which to me sounded like the coolest place on earth. I was wrong, but, you know, it's actually pretty rad now, but we'll get into that later. Um, so that was on February 1st. I walked into the admissions office at Geneva and just said, I'm dropping out. And they're like, that's not how this works. And I was like, well, that's how I'm going to make it work. And I just had my mom or someone come and pick me up and then moved to Texas. Wow. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. February 1st, I decided February 11th, I was out of there. I had a one way ticket to Waco. And I, when I left, I was wearing uh, like a coat and a, a sweater and pants and jeans and whatever. I guess jeans are pants, but. You know what I'm saying? I was in winter clothes because there was a storm here in Pittsburgh. I land in Waco and it's just 90 degrees and hot as shit. So, Absolutely. What year was that? 2011, I think. Fascinating. What sort of stories did moving <laughs> to this place all by yourself yield? Like experiences when I was there? Absolutely. Oh, dude. It was just, it was a wild ride because like Texas is like the... It's the closest thing to like the wild frontier or like the wild, wild west that exists. So I uh, I got really into longboarding when I was there, as you do. At, Very cool. At 19 years old. And uh, I can't even tell you how many times I got hit by a car longboarding down there. Wow. Probably like three or four in the park in Waco. I forget what the park is called. Uh, forgive me, but we're just going to call it Waco Park. Um, <laughs> I did a bunch of crazy stuff there. Um I was a youth pastor at the time, like a youth pastor intern, so I got to just be like real goofy and have fun with the kids and played a lot of basketball and just learned that, uh, you know, there's a ton of people in the world that are just, everyone wants the same thing and that's just to have friends and have fun. Um, that's probably my biggest takeaway from Texas is like no matter where you are, it's really easy to, you know, find common ground with people, which kind of ties into my next uh, story about Texas is a coffee shop down there called Common Grounds. It was kind of like my second introduction to a really rad coffee shop. And they just do things on a completely different level than anything I've ever seen. Even to this day, um, <clears throat> they are one of the coolest shops I've ever seen. They have a really awesome rustic vibe. Um, thousands and thousands of people come in there and out of there every day. They're right on Baylor's campus, so that's that's probably why. But um, How close was that to Waco? That was in Waco. Oh, wow. It was on Austin Avenue in Waco, I believe. I could be wrong, but um, it was the first coffee shop I ever saw that, like, didn't take itself too seriously, and they had, like, all these different types of events. Like, they'd have bingo one night, then a show the other night, and then another show the other night, and then this, and then that. Yeah, so it was just, like, this old converted farmhouse-type deal, um, or ranch house. I'm not sure. And it just had, like, this awesome vibe. And uh, it wasn't anything fancy back then, and they just did what they had to do, and... I loved it, man. I would hang out there as much as I possibly could. Um, it was a really good time. How many cups of coffee did you have a day? Then, I didn't like coffee then either. Wow. Yeah, I didn't like coffee until I started working at a shop when I moved back from Texas to Pittsburgh. 
So, the miracle drug. It is. And I see that now. But now I think I've had too much of it in my life that it just kind of puts me to sleep. Fascinating. Yeah. Chills you out. It makes me really tired, which is strange. But How many cups do you have nowadays? One. One or two. Uh, it really depends on the day. So like, if I wake up, I'll do a shot of espresso for sure. And then some water and some more coffee. I'll, I'll, I'll like drop a little bit in a cup and then sip on that for a while and fill it up. and Maybe the total of one 16-ounce coffee a day. You know, drink a lot of tea though. Drink a lot of Teamo tea. Tea is a good stuff for sure. That's fascinating. So I'm the same way. I don't really like to get high off my own supply, so to speak. Um, like if I make the tea, it's like, yo, that's to share it with someone. Yeah. Back in the day, I used to have like a pitcher a day. Um, actually, when I was a big gamer, is when I used to drink literally a whole pitcher a day, and it would just keep me focused, right, on the screen or whatever, uh, playing Minecraft or modern warfare such like that that's Dude, fascinating modern warfare 2 was really fun but... oh my gosh it was next next level honestly uh they don't really make games like that anymore no, quite like don't. that that gives you that same feeling so you were in texas by yourself you were working a couple different jobs at that point just to be able to live save up some money you didn't really know what you were going to do with your life Except you just knew that you needed some cash. Yeah. So at that point, I moved back to Pittsburgh and got a job at a coffee shop right across the, that was right across the street from where we are right now um, and down a block or two. It was called the Acoustic Moose Cafe. It was run by the two most incredible people I've ever met named Lindsay and Adam Gibson. Still to this day, some of my favorite people. Uh, they taught me a lot about how to run a good shop, how to really invest in the community and how to put on events. So that's kind of like the third, we'll say there are three different, you know, shops that have really impacted me. Number one being Afogado, number two being Common Grounds, and number three being uh, the Acoustic Moose. Now, I worked there for a long time, and it came time for them to move, and Afogado had closed. And uh, they were thinking about moving to Afogado's old spot. It ended up being a hassle for them, so they decided to... Uh, you know, they just decided to shut things down, and that was a big blow to the community, a big blow to me, because I loved hanging out there, and there was just, I wanted them to stay there forever. So once they closed and disappeared, it was kind of like there's nothing to do in this town anymore, no good shops, and that's when I was like, I would love to do that. They kept popping up, like, you should really invest in the community somehow, and I mean, at that time, I was 19 years old, so what's a 19-year-old going to do with no money and no, I lived in my mom's house, right? So, like, nothing to do. So then after that, I started working... After the Acoustic Moose shutdown, rather, I started working at uh, Target. And I worked at Target for a year, hated it, and uh, it had probably one of the worst outcomes of any job I've ever had, but it was really all my own doing. How was that? Okay, you want the long story or the short story? How about I give you the short story first? I got fired for what could be considered theft, but... <laughs> Tell me about that. It's It's okay, so... I'm working at Target, and this lady comes in. I don't know if Target's going to get pissed that I'm talking about this, but... I it happens. I don't care. I'm just... I, they all know about it. They fired me for it. So <laughs> I'm working at Target. This lady comes in and buys an iPad, and she's like, I don't really want this gift card that comes with this iPad. And I thought, that's stupid. I'm going to take it and buy all three seasons of Arrested Development on DVD. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly what I did. I bought all three seasons of Arrested <laughs> Development on DVD, and I still have them to this day. So they found out pretty much immediately and fired me, which actually ended up being another great thing that happened because 
you know, I had a car payment. I had no rent, of course, because I lived with my mom and everything. But um, it forced me to get another job fast. And I ended up getting two jobs, one at the Exchange, which is a record store, like a, a used electronic store. Very cool. Very akin to like a pawn shop. Have you been to the Exchange before? I haven't. Is it here in Bellevue? You've never been to the Exchange? No. Dude, they're all over Pittsburgh. Really? Um, yeah, there's like three or four downtown, one in Southside, one in Oakland. Um, I worked with the one on McKnight Road, so out where we met, um, like right down the street from I the see. Tesla store. So I'm uh, working there at the Exchange and Home Depot, and those places sucked. And uh, just because I was, you know, I was young, I was working there for a while. And then Mark, who I lived with in Texas, actually ended up coming, uh, coming back for Christmas, and I hung out with him. And he was like, he was doing better than anyone I've ever seen. You know, he's he's a little, he's like probably 10 years older than me or eight years older than me. He like has all these nice clothes on. He has all this nice stuff. And he was, I was like, dude, what, what, where do you, what do you do now? What do you do for a living? He was like, oh, I work for Apple. I was like, okay, okay, I like that. He's like, you should apply. So I applied, went through their interview process that took, you know, I think a total of six weeks and a group interview that was really awkward and they, um, couple one-on-one interviews and a panel interview and then I finally got the job after a while um and I have a knack for when I leave jobs I don't really leave them the proper way you'll see there's a theme there um (laughs) so when I left Home Depot I got the job offer from from Apple and I had it was a Thursday night that Apple called and offered me the job and they were like yeah we want to hire you on we want you to start on Monday I was like well I still have to finish out my shift at Home Depot and they were like well you work at Apple now so just quit it's like okay I'll do that so I walked in and it was pouring down rain. I was a cart boy. And I walked up to the manager on duty. I was like, hey, dude, I'm, I'm quitting. I can't work here anymore. I'm sorry. I work at Apple now. And they were like, oh, well, we get it. Get out of here. Go make way more money and have fun. And that's what I did. So I Fantastic. Quit. Yeah, I quit. And then I started working at Apple. And I that opened my eyes to a whole other world of like, because being 22 and making that kind of money is like pretty ridiculous. Um, well, I guess I was only 20 when I started at Apple. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, I got hired four days before my 21st birthday. What sort of work did you do there? That At that point, I was doing all tech support in the stores, right? So I was uh, helping train on tech support, helping um, like train customers on how to use their stuff, uh, fix problems, fix machines. If anything broke, I fixed it for a customer. So that's what I was doing at Apple. How did you learn all these skills? On the fly. They just taught them to me on the job. It was like on-the-job training. Um, wow. And I was always kind of... Uh, you know, familiar with computers and how they all worked and all that kind of stuff. Real quick. So yeah, you can, the way it works there is they just kind of teach you on the job and teach you on the spot. And they literally give you three weeks of training and then just like drop you into the, into the swimming pool for like, for lack of a better word, they just throw you in. They're like swim, sink or swim, figure it out. And that's kind of how I look at everything in life. So I was kind of like, cool, I can figure this out. And make it work. And I ended up doing pretty well. I got hired on as full-time a couple weeks later. Then I was a genius within a year, which means I was like a higher up in the technical department at the Ross Park Mall store. Uh, did that for a while. Yeah, and that just opened me up to this whole other world of people that existed that I didn't even know. You know, like everyone that worked at Apple was at least 10 years older than me that I was friends with there. Because I'm 20 years old. They're a bunch of 30, 35-year-olds. They're all married or they have families and you just have me that's like this kid lives with his mom, putzing around, not really knowing what's going on. So Sounds like fun. It was very fun. Smoked a lot of weed, that's for sure. Ganja fiend, no yeah, worries. That's where my habit picked up. It's no longer a thing. But, uh, you know, 
I get what you mean. I used to be quite the ganja fiend myself. I got in trouble, actually, at my school. At Grove uh, City? Yeah. Dude, that's hilarious. This is the first time I've actually mentioned it on the podcast. I'm sorry. We don't have to talk about it. I mean, we're already there. so We're already there. So I was going up the stairwell, and hopefully no potential employers are listening to this. But I had just toked, and I was like... I, I only did it on the weekends then, so I was pretty peaking. And then this one, RA, that's a girl's coming down uh, midnight on a Friday. And I'm on the third floor. And from the third floor, uh, my buddy lived on the fourth floor. Uh, in between that stairwell, he's like, yo, let's go watch movies. I'm like, yeah, dude, let's go watch the movies. So then in between that third and fourth floor stairwell, an RA was coming down. She's like, yo, I definitely smell some ganj. So, you know, I'm calling campus safety, and I was out for the whole semester. Really? It sucked. That's wild. Yeah, that was two semesters ago. You graduate already from Grove City? No, man, I'm going into my junior year. Really? Yes. That's impressive. Uh, How about you? You seemed like you also understood that. Oh, that? I just got so many times almost got caught doing that. But uh, luckily that never happened to the fullest extent. There were a couple times, you know, running away from people and what have you. You got to do what you got to do. Nonetheless, uh, you're working at Apple. And then what happened that made you stop your time during Apple and move on to the next thing? Uh, That's an interesting story because uh, remember the girl I was talking about? Who broke up with me in 2010 or whatever the hell that was. And maybe, Tina. Tina, yeah, Tina. That's what we're calling her. Hey, Tina, I hope you're well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> her and I actually got back together five years after breaking up. And uh, I, being the idiot that I was and am still, was like, nothing bad's going to happen this time. I was wrong. So I moved to D.C. to be with her, be with Tina, because uh, she was having some having a rough time and she needed some help. And... I was kind of selfish throughout that whole thing and, you know, kind of probably pushed the relationship over the edge. And, um, you know, she was like, I don't think we should do this anymore. I was like, I don't think we should either. I'm done. And then I got my Mustang that I bought because I was 23 and stupid and drove back to Pittsburgh on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, Fun fact about that story. (laughs) I knew I was going to break up with her the night before. So I just got really drunk, like as drunk as I possibly could. I drank like an entire bottle of 151 at her her house. Lord. Yeah, I don't know how I'm not dead. And uh, I woke up more hungover than I've ever been. And driving back to Pittsburgh from D.C. is a six-hour drive or five-hour drive. I don't remember. It might even be four. It doesn't, that doesn't matter at all. But driving back, I'm just like, man, I feel like death. Um just got back to Pittsburgh and uh, stayed on my friend's couch for a while. And then we got the crazy idea to start an IT company together because we both worked at Apple together. So we were like, we know what we're doing. We can start an IT company. We were wrong. But, you know, that's where we were. So thus was born Cyclops IT. Cyclops Pittsburgh Incorporated. I see. Yeah. It was run out of the basement of the building we're in right now. It was a general IT consulting firm. Worked for a couple different companies. Um, I won't say any of their names because some of them are really shitty. I'm looking at you, Digital Fix Solutions. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you owe me $6,000. Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. There's no bad blood there anymore. There is, but it's behind <laughs> us. Um, 
so we did all that. We did some IT stuff. It was fun. Um, kind of got over that. And once that, you know, kind of came, kind of came to a close, I decided to, with my time that I had, cause I had a little bit of money saved up, just relax and work at Tesla for a while after the whole IT thing. So we worked, I worked at Tesla from January to August. That's where I met you. Yes. Obviously you should know that. I'm sure you were there. It was a funny thing. I was in the Ross Park Mall, and I just walked into Tesla because they had a car there. I'm like, yo, this is dope. Like, just tell me about it. And then there was Jeremy, and that's how we first met. Yeah, we met at a Tesla store, which is hilarious because that place is such a joke. Um, how many cars did you sell? I actually didn't sell any cars, man. I just, like... Did you get commission if you did? No. Interesting. No, they paid me hourly just to sit and talk about the cars and do nothing. It was great. One of the best. That's one of the best jobs I've ever had because if I wanted to like take a car home, I could for like an extended amount of time. Wow. So I'm like driving around a hundred and seventy thousand dollar car, just zipping around Bellevue, having a blast. Um, which is that'd be so lit. It was so much fun, dude. It was unreal. Like. You think you're cool when you have like a Mustang, but then you're like behind the wheel of a Tesla and you're like, mm, this is way cooler. It's different. Yeah. So <clears throat> worked at Tesla for a while and then I was kind of like, okay, I think I have enough saved up that I can probably get this shop that I've been wanting to do for a while off the ground. So we opened back up in uh, November and uh, it's just been a wild ride since then, man. We've been, you know, extremely welcomed by the community. We do a lot of community outreach events where we have different venue like I'm sorry different vendors and different artists and different bands and kind of harping back to the you know how Afogato and Acoustic Moose and uh, Common Grounds all had different things I picked and chose from those different places to what I have now here at Cyclops Cafe so yeah it's got a lot of different things tell me about how you got all these cool art pieces here oh so the art is kind of an interesting thing. I, if anyone brings anything in and they ask to put it up, I, I won't say no. That's kind of my, my whole rule with this shop is if anyone wants to do something here, I don't say no. I just say sure and let's see what happens. So we had incredible. a good, yeah, we had a good friend of mine named David who just walked in one day. I think I have a piece over there actually hanging up. Um, wow. it's one of his pieces that he did for us here. And, um, he did our first art show that brought in like three or 400 people through the shop and we had a bunch of bands playing. Wow. And uh, we had booze and we had wine and coffee and... Sounds incredible. It was super fun, man. And that just kind of like really shows me that like even though Bellevue is a, a community that kind of has this weird uh, reputation of being like kind of boring in this old people's town, there's so many young people that'll come here and hang out and party and have fun. Like... If you build it, they will come, you know, as, as uh, Field of Dreams says. So Cyclops is just a, it's a collective of, a collection rather of all the talented people that I've been exposed to over the past year, just doing whatever they want in this shop. My friends at Artistry sell stuff here. My very good friends at Rust Belt Trading Company help me do all the woodworking that's in here. And a bunch of people just donate random furniture. People find stuff in the garbage. They'll bring it in to me. I'll find stuff in the trash, and I'll put it out like that coffee table I found in the trash. Um, these nice. stools I found in the trash. The fish that are everywhere. It kind of has like an outdoorsy hunting theme because that you know that's what I love to do is be outside and hunt and fish. Very cool. So there's a deer up there. There's a bunch of fish that were donated. Um, so, yeah, if people want to put stuff or bring stuff in, they can. 
Um, I also have a pretty large collection of records here that if anyone wants to put anyone on, they can just bring them or pick it and I'll play it for them. So it's an incredible ecosystem environment that you've created. And I think because of the growth uh, trend that Bellevue has really had in the local area, I think that this will definitely be a catalyst for more uh, people moving into this kind of becoming like a north side kind of Bellevue, so to speak, uh, Lawrenceville, so to speak, Yeah. Um, perhaps. Now, the, you don't really have as many shops as there in Lawrenceville, but nonetheless, that's how things start. Yeah. So... All your experiences, Afogato, growing up there, Acoustic Moose, Common Grounds, and all your experiences in between really has culminated within this. But I have, I have to uh, think, what's next? You know, you've done so much, but of course, this is uh, your second time really making uh, your own thing, which you're really, really happy with. What, what's next, though? I don't know. I have all the. I, I've been throwing around the idea of a. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail, but has to do with tiny houses. Dude, I want to live in one. Like I'm gonna be, buy one immediately, man. Wouldn't it be sweet if you could just go somewhere and rent one where there's like 30 of them, on a plot of land? That would be really cool. I want to have my own. Yeah. I want to rent the plot of land designated for tiny houses. That's been my thought. If anyone would open one, I would do that. Like yeah. cheap rent under a hundred a month would be cool, but I mean that's probably not realistic. Yeah. But tell me your idea, man. I love tiny houses. All right, so my idea is like a tiny house hotel type thing. That's what I would love to do. But also a community farm as well. So like my next thing I want to do in Bellevue is start a community farm, chickens, livestock, um, incredible vegetables, um, and I also want to partner with like various organizations around town to a to a teach people how to grow their own food. Um, kill their own food, um, raise their own livestock. Because in Bellevue, you're allowed to have up to five chickens, which is wild. And that's just an unlimited supply of free food. So, like, I want to put chickens there. I want to put different uh, different birds of the fowl type that you can eat or that produce eggs or any kind of food. And then I want to um, also provide food for people that can't provide food for themselves, whether that be because of their financial situation, their medical situation, their home life. Um, I really want to invest in the community in that way where I can just pretty much spend all my time in one spot growing food, giving food away, and uh, just having fun and hanging out with the community. That's incredible. And I already have the plot of land. so Really? Yeah, I just uh, I can't say that right now. No problem. But once I, uh, once I finalize everything, I'll have the lot. The land will be mine, and I'll be able to do whatever I want with it. So it's about the size of a city block. Wow. So maybe half a city block. It's pretty big. And it's in Bellevue? Yeah. It's about 300 feet from us right now. That's that. incredible. Do you think you might want the tiny house farm on that? I would probably build my own tiny house farm, my own tiny house area. Or I might just build a house there that's like a little, like a tiny farmhouse. Um, big enough for me and whomever I'm, who's staying with me. So... That's incredible. That's next. That's what's next up, so... Dude, that is so incredibly dope, dude. Yeah. So whenever I get my tiny house and I'm looking for a place to live in the area, I know someone that has a good yep. plot of land. Pause it. He's going to want coffee. So, Jeremy, amongst your life experiences, you've had a lot of work being put in. Mm -hmm. uh, you've had a lot of fun, laughs, adventures. What are some of the sick stories that you have from living? Just like life in general. In general. 
You want like the craziest thing or like Indeed. the Okay, so well in twenty fourteen I broke my back. That was How? fun. Uh, that's a fun story. I was riding my bicycle from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C., which is around 340 miles. So I uh, was about 130 miles outside of D.C., 124 actually. Crashed my bike pretty poor, pretty badly. And I... Uh, How did that happen? Like I was just going down this little ravine and I crashed and slid the bike and landed right on my back and it hurt for a little bit and it you know, it was bad pain, but it wasn't unbearable at the time. So I'm like, you know, get on the bike, keep riding back to Pittsburgh, or to D.C., I'm sorry. And we're getting uh, the trip, just knocking miles off, whatever. So then we're uh, heading towards Washington, and we're about 130 miles out. And uh, we crash, and I crash, rather, uh, in a ravine and hurt my spine a little bit. Didn't hurt too bad. I was just thinking, whatever, it's, you know, I've been biking for about 300 miles thus far. I'm just sore. So, long story short, I get back to Pittsburgh. Uh, we bike to D.C. We train back to Pittsburgh. It's incredible. We're all happy. We blah, 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 blah. I get back to Pittsburgh the next week, and um, I get really drunk at a Pittsburgh Pirates game. Like, too drunk to even walk, and you'll see what happens. So, we're walking back to my cousin Chad's car, and I'm, uh, I jump up on, like, a wall that's next to a sidewalk. It's about as tall as this cabinet, so or counter, I'm sorry like 48 inches high and I just jumped down and that's when broke my back just immediately knew something was wrong went to the emergency room they were like yeah your back's broken it's great um that's one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me I was off work for six weeks and just got paid to do nothing so wow that's actually insane man yeah I actually have another story yes go for it it takes place in the exact same place um same hospital almost exactly a year apart so I biked to D.C. again the wow. next year. And uh, I ended up getting in a really bad bike accident yet again. And the guy I was with ran me over. So I have, you can still see right there, there's like a little scab or a scar on my arm. It's like a tattoo. Some ink was ripped out. And um, I decided, you know, I don't know how to clean this, so I'm just going to jump in the Potomac River. Terrible idea. Ended up getting blood poisoning. I uh, got back to Pittsburgh. The day my mom was having open-heart surgery, I passed out in the bathroom of the hospital because I was having, I uh, had blood poisoning. So then I had blood poisoning, and I was off work for another six months, six weeks, exactly a year after that all happened. So I want to go on another bike trip to D.C., but I'm afraid it's just going to kill me. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'll get, you know, shot by someone or something. Wow. Which isn't unheard of, so. Yeah, that's incredible. That's cool that you're a big biker. What bike do you use? Uh, those were both done on a fixed gear bicycle. Just a, a bike that I got in Pittsburgh somewhere. Been riding it ever since. Very awesome. Are you that uh, ride your bike to work type commuter? Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, if I don't have to drive, I won't. Very Public awesome. transit and bicycle are the best way to go, in my opinion. Fantastic. I love biking myself. It's a joy. Yeah. It's a simple joy in life. Very cool. Now, we were talking a little bit before the show about your Myers-Briggs personality type. Yeah. And it's an ENFJ. Yeah. The same as mine. That's so cool, dude. That, that means we're empathetic. Um, I think one of the things I've been ruminating on recently, although not you shouldn't take your personality type too seriously, I think. Uh, people change, etc. You grow, and you don't always stay exactly the same. But uh, 
the ENFJ is defined as a protagonist. And it's like we live our life as if we're the main character in a story. Yeah. And that's just really I've been thinking about that a lot recently because other people don't quite think that way. Yeah. And that's absolutely how I think for sure, you know. Yeah, that's how I think too, but I I'm kind of it makes me uh somewhat not feel good about that. I think I should think more about others, but nonetheless, it's like I'm Harry Potter yeah. and like you're like Ron Weasley. Yeah. Are you just saying that cuz I have red hair? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize how well that fit, but yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, man, that's hilarious, actually. But nonetheless, um, interesting to see that uh, we live our life a little bit more um, self, not selfishly, but so to speak, self. Uh, very responded to our needs, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's very fascinating uh, that we're the same personality type. Yeah, absolutely. They say only 2% of the world has that personality type. It's the um, most uncommon. But we I tend to meet a lot of them. Um, so that's absolutely fascinating. What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote is probably a quote by Bob Dylan. It says, uh, a man is a success if he wakes up in the morning and goes to bed and in between does what he wants to do. That's what I do. Like, I'm here, even though I'm here, like, sometimes 14 hours a day, I don't know what else I'd be doing, you know? This is what I want to do every day, so. Incredible. I think that really sums up your uh, current position right now. Uh, yeah. That's really fascinating to me. What's kind of been your biggest difficulty here as Cyclops Cafe? Well, for the longest time, it was just me working here. So I was here from 7 to 9, Monday through Friday. 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday, and then all day on the weekends. Um, just not burning out has been the biggest struggle, but it's not impossible. It's actually pretty simple once you figure it out. You just got to eat right, sleep well, and make sure you don't die. <laughs> That's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Very instrumental. Um, whenever I miss a meal or eat you know, a considerable amount later, it really kind of affects me the next day as well. Or say my sleep schedule as well. You were telling me you sleep only five, six hours a night. Mm -hmm. How's that been? It's not bad. I go to bed at midnight, maybe eleven thirty. Wake up at six. Five and a half to six hours. Uh, when I first started this, it was a lot less. It was probably go to bed at two and wake up at six, just because I was so used to staying up so late and waking up so late. You know. Fascinating, Jeremy. Well, thank you for being on the show. Is there anything yeah, you'd like dude. to add for our fishbowl audience? Um, if you're not happy with what you're doing, you should probably just quit and figure it out. Damn. Deep. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first from Jeremy Denniston, uh, founder of Cyclops Cafe. Uh, thank you once again so much, Jeremy. Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me. It was been a, it's, it has been a pleasure. Absolutely. Tons of fun. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>